gentlemen, welcome once again to Two Guys, One Dice Cup. We are pretty sure, or I am pretty sure, this is Season 4, Episode 5, entitled Are You Still the Hero? My name is Al, GoldenEye Unicom, and I am 100% know I am joined by my co-host. Bill from Rashes Cairns. I always love a lot of tiny pause on that one. I do, love, it, it I do love the pause. Yeah, it works less good if we're recording video, but uh, it's uh, just folk can see that I'm here. Uh, but yeah. uh, the hanging, the hanging on the potential that, that that you might not actually be joined by me in an audio yeah. podcast only is uh, is always there. It'll happen one day. One day, some strange voice will come back from the ether, and uh, the listeners, um, you know, our audience will freak out. It's like, who's this Joker? But ladies and gents, we're back at Two Guys One Dice Cup, and this episode is entitled "Are You Still the Hero?" This is one of our follow-up episodes to uh, our fighting fantasy game book series. The first episode being entitled "You Are the Hero." I'm pretty sure, probably got that wrong. Something like um, that, yeah. Something like that. Where myself and Phil were doing a little bit of a deep dive into the fighting fantasy book series by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, and we're going to cover. A, a little bit, well, a lot more of that in the main section of the podcast uh, and video cast for our audience. To start off with, though, we're going to do some of our classic manoeuvres. We're going to talk a little bit about our hobby. Just We do a lot of toy soldiers and miniature painting and collecting. We're going to talk a little bit about that. We are going to go through some of the oh, the purchases, how much money escaped the wallet this uh, this month. And then after the main section, when we talk about the books, We'll talk a little bit more about the, the wargaming side of things when we've actually got onto the tabletop, rolled some dice, uh, you know, had some successes, maybe a few failures along the way, Phil. Have you had any failures? On tabletop? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have said there has been a, there's been any epic failures, uh, but uh, I haven't, I haven't, we'll get, we'll get right to that, yeah. There's some, there's, so been, there's been some good and some bad. Well, if we've had no epic failures, then that last section should be a good listen, but it's just in case, for those of you that don't do any tabletop wargaming, after we talk fighting fantasy novels, uh, you can switch off, or you can tell your friends to keep on listening, which is even better. Yes. So, so yeah. with all that being said, mate, uh, do you want to kick off? What have you, what paints have you been pushing around? What models have you been playing with? So it's been two months since we last recorded. I know we had the UKTC episode uh, between that, uh, but we didn't talk about hobby stuff. Uh, what have I been painting? I, I think... I, I'm trying to... So, I, I painted some Chaos Dwarves. I, I know that. Uh, some old hammer Chaos Dwarves. Uh, did a unit of ten of them, um, which uh, I'm glad to have finished and, and got done. Um, Commissions-wise, I finished up the Goblin team that I was doing. Um, Looks excellent. And I am currently balls deep in uh, finishing off a Dark Elf team and uh, four additional Orc players for the same customer that He's a repeat customer. I did his orc team earlier on in the year. So I think I'm just at the point with those where I'm at um, final highlights on the, the Dark Elves. The orcs are finished and just need to be based. 
so they should be finished within the next couple of days. Um, uh, other than that, I, th I think I don't think I've done masses. Yeah, I think that that's that's well. Commission painting takes up ninety percent of my uh, painting related stuff. Yep. So well, it, it, does bring the, uh, it does myself. bring the money in, so you kind of have to go with it. Uh, don't you? Totally. So yeah, it's. Um, I've got a few. I'm, I'm I'm booked up until, I think August, September time now. Um. So I've got uh, I've got projects going forward as well. So I, I, yeah. it's all good. The the hobby front. I just uh, need to get some time to inter intersperse in there to keep my own stuff going. Um, yeah. Do you want to remind well. the audience um what your commission services and business name is? I don't think we do that nearly as much for you. Yeah, I'm really bad for self-promotion. Uh, so yeah, my uh, commissioned paintings all done under Phil Paint stuff, and you'll be able to find that on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram uh, under that handle. Um, easy. If you want something done, uh, get in contact. Um, you'll be able to see plenty of examples of my work on there as well. I do have like an online gallery thing uh, on the minis site uh, as well. Yeah. Um, I know you've got uh, one in there too under your yep. brushworks uh, setup. Uh, so yeah, there's that, and then obviously I do three D printing services under Granite Miniatures as well. So sell some stuff by Brute Fun, uh, Hungry Troll. Um, what's the other one? Um, some other some other stuff, and I, I, a load of fantasy proxies as well for Chaos Dwarves and Goblins. But I'll also do printed services. So if you've got your own STLs. But no 3D printer. Uh, I'll quite happily quote for printing that shit as well. Busy. So yeah, yeah, busy, busy enough. Uh, it's been a good first year operating outside of uh, my comfort zone of uh, being an environmental advisor in the oil and gas industry. Um, but happy, happy to be away from that nonsense and doing something I actually like doing. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah, so I, I think that's that's, that's from the the end of the painting for me. What about yourself? I have been productive, little shit. Uh, so as you said, it's been a couple of months. So interspersed between that, there's been I've been to a tournament, which I think we'll talk about later on. But I needed to paint up some uh, some new weapons, so I was using the Soviet Army for bolt action. So I needed to paint up. Uh, what were known as uh, M30 multiple heavy rocket launchers. Uh, they sound as lethal as they are, um, so I had to paint up two of them. But each of them has five crew, each of them needs a spotter, so all these other miniatures came spilling out, and it's like, right, great, so I've got a good chunk of um, of Soviet stuff to paint up there, so got all, all that done, boxed off really nicely. Yeah. Uh, I've got a big tournament in Birmingham coming up, it's the Battle of Britain Grand Tournament for bolt action again, um, and you know we're, we're recording at a good time because all the army lists are in and reviewed and approved, so I can actually say it's no you know, no secret tanks or anything I'm, I'm yeah. painting. I can actually say what I'm painting. So uh, I have got an alternate history bolt action Confederate army which I use for their sort of science fiction version called Conflict 47, but I can also use it for regular World War II bolt action. Uh, mm -hmm. So I am painting a, oh dear, 
quite quite a lot, but I've got three Tank. M3 Stuart tanks that I'm painting. I've got a new truck that I need to paint. I've got what's known as a Crusader anti-aircraft tank. Uh, so it's, I've got the turrets. They're actually, it's weird when I'm painting the turrets, I have to put them on these little um, uh, cardboard plinths just that it makes it easier to handle. I'm sure it's just the same as if you're painting like a smaller it's miniature, it, you put it on the little thing or what have you. Yeah, it makes yep. it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, painting a truck uh, transport, I needed to paint up uh, another 20 infantry just for different teams. Uh, sorry, small weapons team, so medium machine gun team, medium mortar team, and some more crews. So it's been really busy getting all that done. Uh, I'm just doing the final weathering on the vehicles at the moment, so I'm very much on track to, to get it all done. Uh, the army list, it's it's really aggressive army list. Um, you know, I'm waiting for some of the sort of... There's a, there's a few other... There's bolt action channels on YouTube and, um, and various podcasts that are going to do reviews of the lists. So I'm just waiting to hear back how bad or how good people think it is. And what's also really good, interspersed amongst all that, uh, I managed to find this weird little window of time where I slap-chopped up another 10 British infantry for sale. Yeah. Uh, so I managed to pump them out and get them on out. And they, they ended up going to Texas in the US. Oh, nice. uh, played over there, spotted them and decided, yep, that was for me. So that was really nice to... Um, you know, send international again, but also he's intimated that he's um, looking for a few other specific things, and uh, I've told him that you know, there's there's no pressure to buy, but I'll be painting you know another tank, some armored vehicles, and some more troops in the next month, and he can have first refusal on them. So it's kind of good for him as a customer if you, if you if he wants them, he can buy them. If he doesn't, then I'll sell them to somebody else. I'm I'm going to paint yeah. them anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, hobby wise has been really good. Really, I'm really productive and really happy with the with what I'm producing and how it's been produced. And alongside that, this is one of those stupid secret things. I've been building another army for bolt action, right? Which I've had boxed up uh, for a couple of years actually. And my goal for that is to build it if I need to use it. Uh, I'm hosting a tournament in a week's time. If I need to use it, I will use it. Uh, if not, I will finish painting it and just slap chop it out and sell it. Uh, yeah. If we if we've got new members of the audience, when I use the term slap chop, uh, slap chop is a lovely painting term that the community use for a fast paint job, where you're pretty much just slapping the paint on. But I I can slap chop a decent standard. Uh, it's so that it's yeah, it's yeah. literally like. Uh, zenithal dry brushing uh, so just yes. uh, dark black gradient through grey to white and then using inks or contrast paints or something like that over the top to get a good result you know it's a, exactly it's a, it's a decent one uh, yeah decent, and then decent, I can um, I nip in and pick out some highlights and pick out some detail yeah just to sort of set it aside from a regular a regular slap chop effort um, so no super happy love it Awesome. So we're on to money now, aren't we? Yes. Dirty cash. Dirty it's been cash. two months. It's been two months there since we discussed this, so we're both likely to have spent more money than we would normally have spent. I think in, uh, in a month uh, in between podcasts. So. Correct. 
if yeah. we've if we've got any new members of our audience that are um, joining us, and this is your <coughs> excuse me, this is your first episode. Myself and Phil, we've got a long track record of spending far too much money uh, on toy soldiers on a monthly basis. So, in an effort to control or commiserate, uh, every time we record, we um, guess how much the other has spent. You get three guesses, only three. And we know that we, we never give each other any sort of solid clues during the month, but we always talk and, you know, one-to-one chats or group text chats and all that sort of stuff. And uh, there's little nuggets of clues dropped in amongst that. Yeah. Uh, we also get to watch each other's online activity to see what's been purchased. So it's there's no winners or losers. Actually, there's only losers when you're spending money on your hobby because... Too much, Phil. I've yeah. really had. I've really had a really good month, <laughs> good time. Do you want to start good, on me? A good time in in terms of you've uh, you've bought a lot of stuff that's made you happy. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've bought happiness. I have bought yeah. happiness. Yeah, right. I'll, I'll I'll have a couple of guesses. Uh, so since the last podcast of two months, I'm going to say 150 quid. No, lower. Is it L- lower? Okay. A little bit lower. Okay. How about a hundred and forty-one pounds? Hundred forty-one. Do the maths. <laughs> you are within the ballpark, and I will give it to you on your second guess. Okay. okay. I cool. I bought much cool. happiness. I bought much happiness. Uh, I'm pretty sure the actual figure is sort of like. One three hundred thirty nine eighty or something like that. So, uh, including various postages. So for me, purchases over the past couple of months, there's actually only been three. Um, but one of them was a, a white whale of war gaming, yeah. and I managed to pick up a Warhammer forty thousand Rogue Trader Space Marine Land Raider in near mint condition for just over £70. Uh, it. it was already, already constructed, a little bit of light damage, but you'd, um, you'd, you don't get them constructed without damage these days um, as they've been no, stored in boxes. Yeah, rattling around in boxes in the loft or, or what have you. Exactly. Childhood or whatever. Yeah, and the seller, the seller messaged me to say, it's like, are you sure you know that the you know, the last cannons are hanging off. I was like, yep, but they're still there. And yeah. I've got the hobby skills to, to fix it, no problem at all. So I was really chuffed to get that. And when it arrived, it was well packaged. And it was in really good um, good condition. So I was extremely happy about that. And I thought that might be the end of our purchases. Uh, I've got a funny story that will come up in the main section when we talk about fighting fantasy novels. But I had, I'll, I'll say later, um, what it is, but I had to buy a, a fantasy, a fighting fantasy novel, and I'll tell you right. what it is in the main section, because um, there's a story behind that as well, but I needed to buy it. Needed to buy it. And I thought everything was, I thought everything was going well, and then popped up on some sort of Facebook marketplace that there was a big uh, sort of second edition, third edition Warhammer 40,000 Chaos job lot going, but right. the seller the seller was quite reasonable in that he knew it, it might not be for everybody. So he had individual prices should the main sort of 
shall not happen. Uh, so I stuck my name down against 10 uh, Chaos Terminators, you know, the, the really cool metal ones with the, the original big tusks that come out of their um, helmets and stuff. Yeah. Um, and then a week later, the guy contacted me to say, it's like, nah, they didn't sell, so, you know, I'm breaking that up into jot into individual lots. Do you still want it? It's like, yes, yes, I do. Um, nice. And so that arrived. It was it was lovely. So I got ten of them for fifty pounds, which again was an absolute brilliant price. Because uh, I know that they they retail in different avenues for sort of eight pounds each, usually. Yeah. Um, so getting ten for fifty, uh, I I thought it was really a really I was I was happy to pay it. Um, you know, so there was two Reaper Auto Cannons in there. Uh, they were near mint condition. They, I think, they, I think maybe a handful of them had been stripped of paint, but they were they were perfect. So um, I'll add that to my sort of Rogue Trader second edition um, pile of shame, which I will one day make happen. Yeah. <clears throat> so Phil, awesome. two months of purchases. Yes. You haven't Good left work. many clues for me this month. There've been there's been the odd breadcrumb here and there, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, I would say I would say I've not because I could quite easily I've, I've been known to spend uh, big in a in a month on its own. Um, yeah. So I can quite easily kind of go upwards of a couple of hundred quid or whatever, depending yeah. on what what's been available. But I don't but think you're there too. this time. I think you've gone low because you've you've been had and you've had a lot of activities. You've went to a lot of different tournaments and events. So I'm going to lash out and say I think you've only splashed out maybe eighty five pounds for yourself. <laughs> no, more than that. Is it a lot more? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, two hundred and ten. So that that's 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 close. It's still a little bit more than that. Well, I say a so, little bit more. Than that. So two hundred and thirty-two. No, from I still a third guess. Oh, so, really? Oh, Phil, mate, what have you done, Tyrone? I know, fuck. Um, I mean, it, bear in mind this is two months, so it was uh, it was split over True. two. Uh, so a hundred. Uh, so two hundred and fifty. No, two hundred forty-five, roughly. Oh my goodness. Um, but there's been a couple of things have have popped up over the last month that. Have all just appeared at one time as they inevitably do. Yeah. Uh, so I got, I, I went down to Nottingham uh, for NAF champs, and bought while I was at Warhammer World. I bought uh, Puggy and Cindy, uh, Puggy Bacon Breath and Cindy Pie Whistle, star players, and the Necromunda. Uh, fuck, what, I don't know what they're called. It was the protagonist and the guy with the uh, TV stack of TVs. And the other one on the soapbox shouting. Uh, I quite like uh, incidental miniatures like them. I think we've mentioned them before on uh, the podcast. Ones that don't necessarily have much um, use in a game or what have you, but look really cool. Um, yep. So those two guys as well. Um, then the new, the new Seraphon uh, stuff dropped in a battle box. Um, and I managed to get that so that was that had the slan star uh, the new slan uh starmaster in it and 
that you attend you the new Soros models and some Raptodon hunters slash chargers and the new ba uh, battle book battle tome or whatever the fuck they're called. Uh, so that that took up a that's 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 a big that's about half of of the cost of of what was what I've yeah. purchased. Well, you, um, went, you shopped at you shopped at Games Workshop and you bought seventeen models. Yeah. So or maybe yeah. you know a few more than seventeen. I'm being a little bit sort of facetious, facetious there, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think there was uh, there'd be 10, 20, 21, 25 models in total. Uh, yeah, tw twenty five models. Game Games Workshop side of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so straight from the source. Yeah. Straight from yeah. your big drug dealer. Straight from the the plastic crack machine. Yep. Into my into my veins. Uh yeah, no so the other stuff is all kind of uh opportunistic old hammer stuff. So I got um the I, I bought bought up some of the older realm of chaos chaos dwarves. I got mm -hmm. uh uh one of the two headed ones um called Drun and Drone Ulson. Uh, and I've converted one of well, but I end up I've ended up with two of them. I converted one of them into a standard bearer, uh, so that's a work in progress at the moment. So he's a battle standard bearer, um, and I've got another one to 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 make sure I've got an original. Um, I also picked up a couple of other ones as part of a um, somebody on Twitter got in touch with me and said, "Oh, I've got these three lying about. Do you want uh, do you want those?" And I was like, uh, well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> How much do you want for them? Uh, so that was a guy called Steve on, on Twitter. So thanks to him for uh, popping them in my general direction. Um, another thing, so we were talking about hobby white whales uh, earlier with your land raider. Yep. One that's been on my list for ages and trying to get at a reasonable price uh, was... Uh, uh, um, a Necromunda, a Necromunda model called uh, the Caller and Rat God. Um, so basically, it's this giant rat, giant sort of decaying skeletal rat thing, uh, with an optional rider and a second standing model. Um, so I picked that up. Um, it was, I, I, I have a suspicion it, it's either a recast, in which case it's a fucking fantastic recast. Uh, it's it's got less mold lines on it than a GW model, uh, or it's from the the more I think they did it as a made to order a few years ago potentially, uh, but there was no box, so the guy was clearly being having questions thrown at him about whether it was a recast, um, and I just I took a punt on it for forty five yeah. quid, and it usually sells for well over a, somewhere between seventy and a hundred pounds. So to get it for forty five, even if it is a recast, it's a really good one. So I'm not that fussed. Um, I'm buying it because I like the model. I'm not buying it to keep it in a box and sell it again for a hundred pounds along the line. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. Uh, and then the rest of the stuff's book related. So um, Mantic, um, they're probably getting ready to uh, to. Uh, update the system or whatever you, or they may just be trying to get rid of the old books because they brought out the uh, compendium book um, a year or so ago, 
uh, with their rat in it, but they were they were selling the I'd assume the remainder of their stock of the Green Pigs of War book uh, for uh, postage only. So for four pounds fifty, uh, I picked that up. Um, yeah. Kings of War is a a pretty good game system, I think, um, from what I've been flicking through, uh, and I'm I'm interested in rule sets, not necessarily playing the game, but understanding how different rule sets work. Um, so there was that. Uh, I also uh, scabbed a, a bunch of uh, fourth edition books for Warhammer Fantasy Battle. So I managed to get hold of the uh, Heavy Metal Painting Guide uh, and the uh, Dark Elf and uh, yeah. uh, Army books. Good books, those. For literally, I think it was about. 18 quid for the two uh, for the three of them um one of them had a little bit of water damage on it but it's not really noticeable and i'm not buying these things because they need, they need to be pristine or or whatever uh i'm buying them because i want to click through them and i don't mind them being a little bit uh worn so yeah that, that's pretty much i think i think that's pretty much everything i did take a note uh of what i'd bought uh, let me just double check um yes that's it uh, that's the lot oh i, I bought work. a fighting fantasy book as, uh because well that's included in the, in the price but we'll discuss that when we get to this action which is just coming up in a second yeah right good restraint ish well done i suppose you did go to warhammer world uh yeah i there was a trip to yeah. warhammer world involved in that yeah should have should have known that the cost would have been higher so, ladies and gentlemen, that will now bring us into our fight and fantasy book section. So, previously we we spoke about how these books work, when they were produced, yes. who the authors are, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, and and the different memories for me and for Phil that they evoked um, for when we were younger, younger men uh, with less grey hair, more hair in general for me, which was you know a long, long time ago. Um, and it's whether or not the magic was still there for them. And uh, we both committed to reading certain books uh, and trying to enjoy the adventure there uh, within. And as we're talking about them, we're not going to do, or at least I'm not going to do them in a sort of book report fashion. I don't want to ruin the adventures for other readers by telling them different yes. things that happen. I'm, well, at least I'm going to try my best because... There's a few things that happen which I am absolutely uh, raging about. But uh, one thing we did do, though, is, Phil, remember when we asked uh, our audience to take any selfies and post them on social media for us with their books? Yes. It turns out they, they listened. They did it. Yes. I even had them on Twitter. Uh, folks sent yeah. me tagging me and stuff on uh, on Twitter, which is great, you know, and um i think uh i think it was good to see a bit of uh, public response to uh to something that we've been chatting about which is good yep yep i even saw that our um podcast got shared onto ian livingston's facebook page did it yep oh nice yep so if uh, if uh, either author have listened to our previous podcast and decide to pick up this podcast. Thanks very much for listening. And um, 
don't forget to click and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> get in touch if you want to drop us some uh, some sweet uh, fighting fantasy action. Or yeah, because uh, we'll quite happily review shit as well. Yeah, because but I I firmly believe even even before we get into the guts of this now, uh, there will be another fighting fantasy section in the future. Uh, maybe before the end of the year because I'm not done with this this stuff yet. Uh, so I, do you want me to start or you do you want to start, Phil? How uh, actually, how, how how was? Do you want me to start? Uh, no, no, go go with what you were going to say there. Well, I was going to ask, how was the warlock of Firetop Mountain? Is he still a prick? So uh, maybe I should go first. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, so I I, I purchased the uh, Warlock of Fire uh, Firetop Mountain, which is one of the first ones I I played, uh, and is actually the first one in the series, if I remember correctly. It is, yes. Um. So I I didn't get one of the old school green uh uh dog tooth uh kind of edged ones, unfortunately, because uh, they were stupid prices on uh, eBay. I did pick up one of the second or third uh, sort of prints of it, and uh, so what I would say about this is I I enjoyed playing it, but I remember what frustrated me majorly about this particular book, and uh, I think anybody else who's played it, I think you've got the the, the maze of Zagor is literally the bane of your existence. Once you get past a certain point, um, and I think when we did originally discussed um, these uh, talking about these books, and I know some folk when they put up their selfies did the old uh, multiple fingers and different pages kind of uh, thing to highlight something that we've all we've all done. I made a pledge to myself that I wasn't going to do that, and mother of fuck did I wish I had because <laughs> I, I just spent I spent. I did a couple of different playthroughs and I spent uh, both of them just getting stuck in the, in the maze of Sagor uh, and not being able to find my way out of uh, the rinse and repeat of that. Uh, and I just lost the will to live and put it down. I did, like I so said, I did get, like, I must have had at least um, three three playthroughs of it. Um with diff- rolling up different characters and stuff, which was fun as well. I'd forgotten how uh, how fun that was in terms of rolling your dice for your skill and luck and strength and stuff. Um, and I, it was cool. Like I like the mechanic in some of these, uh, in some of the aspects of it, where um, it's got the you roll up what monster monster you get. So it, even though so part of getting stuck in the maze is you bugger about with traps and things like uh, secret passageways and searching for stuff and inevitably most of them uh, lead you to a monster encounter and you, you randomise in a d6 for that uh, to get x, y and z um, and um, it gives you a bit more uh, variability in what sort of monsters you're fighting so I did, I did take a note of the sort of random crap that I was uh, I was fighting on that uh, so stuff like uh, goblins, ghouls, zombies, trolls, a couple of times, minotaurs, dwarves. Uh, so it was a good variance of things, uh, and it was fun, even even though it was frustrating. 
it was fun fun to play. Um, so I'd managed to get most of the keys uh, that are involved uh, in the thing, but I remember there being another one that I needed to get, uh, but I couldn't, for the life of me, work my work my way to that particular area in the maze uh, to get it. Uh, which which is annoying, and I'll go I'll go back to it at some point. You know, we're talking about um, maybe doing a follow up episode to this again. Yeah, I would definitely give it another run through to uh, to do it. But there's only so many times uh, you can go round and round in a circle uh, at a particular point, and then just be like, "Fuck, you know, I wish I'd put my hand in the in, in the page uh, before uh, before I'd gone this particular way, or at least taken yeah. a note of the number." Um, but yeah, that that would be cheating. So uh, I wanted to give it a a fair crack uh, playthrough. Yeah. So yeah, that was re- real fun, and I also got a bonus uh, uh, free fighting fantasy key ring that uh, I Yay, uh, cool man expecting um, as part of the the package. So uh, yeah, no, it's cool. Yep. I enjoyed it. It was a really nice uh, change from reading a book or playing a game uh, and brought back some pretty strong memories of sitting in the school library with a dice and a pencil and uh, playing playing this uh, on my uh, lunch hour uh, at school. So, yeah, I thought that was maybe shorter. Uh, I think you've played played more because you've played multiple books. Yeah, so I've got a lot to say. Second. Yeah. I've got a lot to say. Before I get into the guts of the books, I really enjoyed those initial dice rolls of uh, skill, stamina, luck, and you're given your equipment, um, you know, to do whatever to do your adventure. I like the simplicity of it because I can now compare it to modern day, you know, online gaming or computer gaming. When yes. I didn't have to make all those crappy decisions about what race am I, what is my you know special skill set, am I a thief, a fighter, a bard? I know that Dungeons and Dragons was very much alive when these books were written, um, but I feel like modern gaming overcomplicates character creation, you know, to the to the yes. point where you're, you're you're trying to create what your character looks like, um, you know. Male, female, uh, race, are you an orc, are you a human, are you a half-orc, are you a dark elf half-orc? It's like all this nonsense that you have to go through before you actually start having the fun adventure. And I know that people enjoy that, but it's just a hassle where you actually want to just get in and start having some fun. And so when it came to the first time I got to create a character and I rolled three dice, I'm like, good to go. Don't need to, no, and, and, and there's no description of who you are or what you are. You know, yeah, uh, I didn't even give my character a name. Uh, I just uh, rolled some dice to give them their stats, and then uh, and then just uh, go back and go. Pretty, pretty easy going. I think the barrier to entry on on these is very low. Uh, You don't have to have much of a. You don't have to have much of a like a a vision for anything. Uh, Part of the problem, I think, you end up with with decision paralysis a lot in. D and D style um, and RPGs and other uh, RPGs, 
where you you do kind of like, oh, what do I want my character to be? What happens if it's shit in comparison to my uh, uh, game playing uh, groups ones? Uh, maybe they've put like like so much thought into theirs, and I'm just rocking up and uh, I've made lined a, a really basic character, you know, versus their uh, rich backstory of of uh, what turned their character into what. Yeah. And I do like like you. I do think that that's great. You know, some people thrive off uh, off um, element of storytelling, and and it's good to have that as an option. Uh, but uh, and I guess in those games, you do have the the ability to uh, to just use a pre popped sheet. The a lot of the starter sets have a have a bunch of characters. So if you just want to throw some dice and uh, take away that element, then you can yeah. do as well. Uh, but the, the these books definitely reduce that barrier even further. Uh, so it's just about enjoying the game uh, as opposed to um, spending your time uh, or or spending a full session creating a character. Exactly. Yeah. But for me, so I had committed to playing what is known as the sorcery uh, story. So it was four books interspersed amongst the main. Uh, the main release and they could all be played individually but if you played through them uh, your character carried on from book to book and you pick up clues to help you in future books you know pick up clues you pick up items and um, you're an adventurer that's trying to get the crown of command back from a bad guy uh, and you have to travel through um, different areas meet some people some are friendly some are not so friendly I have found through fighting fantasy novels this past couple months that I'm too fucking trusting. Uh, it's like, stop off. It's like, oh, you need some help? Oh, yeah, mate, I'll help you. Stab. Oh, prick. You know, oh, have you lost something? Oh, I'll help you. Um, but lose there's, there's this. Yeah. There's this. Yeah, lose two stamina points. <laughs> Test your luck. Oh, you're dead. Um, yeah. Once you get into the, so I've talked about the character creation. Once you get into the gaming, I am, um, you know, I'm going to compare it to sort of computer gaming stuff now, but I will also follow on to sort of Dungeons and Dragons type thing that, uh, you know, if you're doing a deep dive into a, a mine or, or a sort of underground, you know, dungeon or whatever, you will investigate every door, you will open everything, you will root around every box under beds you like playing uh, games like Skyrim and Oblivion uh, and the Elder Scrolls uh, you know I, I could spend hours going down uh, a Dwellmar mine and uh, would leave no stone unturned to get everything in a fighting fantasy novel if you arrive it's like um, okay there is a cave on the left with a you know hanging drape over it if you want to investigate turn to 149 on the right, there's a cave with some smoke and strange noises coming out. If you want to investigate that, turn to page 272. You investigate one cave, and your last your option is, okay, you've investigated it, whatever's happened, happened. Now you go back in the road to Destination X, turn to page 14, blah, blah, blah. So you don't get the chance to do the other one. There's yeah. so, so there's not that you know, ability to, to gather everything in every area. You have to make a few choices. And then you are you are driven to carry on the story, um, and I think that maybe I'm going to say younger readers might find that quite frustrating. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I could, I could get that. Yeah, because you, you do have this element of, uh, like an open world, um, game, be it on a computer or in a, a, a GM run, uh, yeah, adventure. You do have a lot more flexibility to just do everything, and like you said, yeah. I mean, I've spent uh, ages. Uh, smashing individual pots or uh, or what have you in a room to see if there's yep. something in it. And nine times yep. out of ten, there's fuck all there, and I'm just running around smashing pots. Uh, but, yeah, like, uh, like, like a crazy person. Thirty minutes doing it, uh, yep. like a crazy person. But uh, yeah, but, there is that kind of uh, thought that you might do that, uh, but yeah, it's not here. Uh, you don't. Have but it was there. it was it was when I was thinking on that, and I had the adult realization that the child in me didn't see is that. That gives you the rereadability for the book, which you were actually. Yes. And when I speak about the books I've read or played through, you're actually forced to do it again. Um, if certain things don't happen during the adventure, you 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 are pretty much yes. put back to the start, either through you know an option to start again, or you know stab dead, acid dead, fall off cliff dead. Eaten by X, dead, like instant dead, instant death. Steve Jackson, Ian Livingston. Wow, you were writing for the easy audience, like instant death. Uh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get away with that these days. Um, but so, four books I committed to reading were the uh, Sorcery series, which comprise of the Shamutanti Hills, uh, Car City Port of Traps, the Seven Serpents. And the Crown of Kings, which is obviously the, the the last one. Crown of Command, Crown of Kings. I'm sure it's called the Crown of Command. The MacGuffin, as I'm sure popular culture. I, I, think, I think it's I think it's Crown of Kings. I think Crown of Command is that not a Warhammer thing? Might be. Anyway, I think the MacGuffin was. needed to get it. Yes. So I was um, I cracked on straight into the Shamutanzi Hills. And uh, I met with some really early success, uh, which I was really happy with. Um, I rolled up a, I rolled up an ab- very average. No, I didn't. I, I, sorry, uh, I got skill seven. I rolled a one from a skill, which is a bag of dick. Um, yeah, that's that is shit. Yeah, I was really lucky with my skill rolls uh, for each of my uh, playthroughs. Yeah, but as you said, I was trying to play it as straight as possible. So rolled a one. Is like okay, I'm a shit fighter. Um, my stamina was average, and I managed to get a luck of. Uh, hang on, let me just reach and see what I can remind myself. I got stamina twenty and luck of nine and skill seven. Um, so decent stamina. The cool thing about the sorcery series is that you have got access to a magical spellbook, and so okay. on occasion when you encounter a situation. Uh, it always gives the option to, you know, if you want to pull out your sword and start twatting them, here are their statistics, and you just start start your fight. Um, or if it's like an encounter, it's like, uh, you know, you're walking into a forest and you hear this, uh, you know, you hear some birds singing and a strange noise. If you want to continue, turn to page X, or if you would like to cast a spell, and then for casting the spells, there are um, a whole bunch of uh, sort of three-lettered words for each spell and a page number okay. to turn to 
Um, you have to study your spell book beforehand, so you have to memorize your, your three-letter stuff. So dab, bob, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and to cast some of the spells, you need items. You know, there's a really cool spell where you can, uh, you know, quickly raise a bunch of goblins, um, but you need goblin teeth to do it. Uh, you know, if you want to summon a giant, you need a giant's tooth to do it. Uh, and you don't start off your adventure with those. You have got to acquire them. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody can figure out where you need to get a giant's tooth from. Uh, the answer is not the dentist, I can assure you. No. Um, but But those spells are sort of quick ways of neutralizing situations, but they, they cost you stamina to cast. So I was right. pretty happy that I had a decent stamina level. You know, uh, I had stamina 20, and casting spells ranges between 1 and 4 stamina uh, to do it. So, and, and if you think about it, if you've got to try and smash your way through you know, a werewolf, the chances are you'll lose a bunch of stamina fighting him, or you can zap him with a spell and lose 4 stamina so that you've at least killed it, but you're not, you know, you're not on the ropes, so to speak. Um, so I wasn't too worried about having a really rubbish skill, and uh, did I regret that? Well, the dice is rolled, so you have to get on with it. So Shaman Tanti Hills, I murdered this book. It was really cool to play through. It was very, you know, for that first reimagining of my, myself to to be going through the adventure, you know, taking, you know, do you go sort of left or right, up the hill, heading south, heading west, you've entered a village, and this is where the trust comes in, far out, you know. You have to, you know, if you're playing a visual computer game, you can see, you know, if, if you walk into a village and it's very dank and smelly and, you know, it looks run down and decayed and decrepit and blah, 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 but you can see that, whereas when you're reading it, you have to yeah. remind yourself, imagine what you're seeing here. Um, so why the fuck would you want to go into one of their little hovel rundown huts? You shouldn't do that. Uh, so yeah, trusting, I caught the plague. I'm like, oh, prick. Dickheads. Going to stab them. Um, you know, old old men sort of leaning against trees, looking decrepit. Buyer beware. <laughs> Adventuring on. Don't forget to eat. Because that's the thing that, you know, you can eat your supplies out with of whatever's written in the game. So you just decide, oh, yes, before I flick this page, I'm going to, you know, have a snack. Yeah. So effect affects that. Um, and I think it was partly through taking notes, not just scribbling down stuff, but actually write notes of, of what you've done. And look, you know, the spoiler alert, kill the giant. Awesome. And the great line was, it's like, if you want to take anything um, from this area, please write it down um, and then continue on with your adventure. So you have to have studied up to realize it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to rip out all the teeth of that dead giant. Buck, 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 buck. Um, you know, reading the description of what was in the room, you know, you have to take these things if you want to take them. Uh, you know, so that it's, it, there's a lot of emphasis, there was emphasis on you to actually use your brain. Um, as opposed to just sort of look around yeah. and, and hit X. There was definitely elements of that in, uh, in Firetop Mountain as well. Um, one encounter, you end up with an option to take, I think there's four different things, but you can only take two of them. 
Um, and uh, at least one of the things makes it easier uh, if you go into another particular room. Uh, but there was also stuff like, I think early on, I got a shield that effectively gave me a six up and vulnerable save, or at nice. like half my stamina um, lost if I took a hit. I spent most of the time I was uh, playing uh, that particular playthrough forgetting that I had that six up save. And so, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to to write these things down. And that, that was with me writing it down as well. So, so yeah. what I ended up doing is I yeah. I scratched up my own sort of character sheet on A4 paper just to have beside. Um, just because yes. obviously, you know, I, the books I've got are a little bit more worn um, and I didn't want to sort of have to always go flicking back to that. And it meant that I didn't have to sort of write small to try and cram it all in. And I could scribble down little notes. But the Shamatanti Hills was a really good adventure. I got to the big end sort of set piece a interaction that you have to sort of achieve and uh, I achieved it it was really great, I managed to do the first book on my first attempt and I felt like I gathered enough um, clues to carry me on into the second book which was Car City Port of Traps uh, the clues in the name mate so many fucking traps uh, but this is <coughs> this is another great this is where I, again I just sort of realised so my character ca- continued on so same stats, same abilities into the city port and uh, you know I I picked up some items that sort of made the early stuff um, a little bit easier uh, to gain access yeah. to it uh, and I was testing my luck a lot more because that's what was required in the book so if you want to continue searching this area test your luck um, I got a real feel, and, and it's, it's City Port of Traps, there were a lot of traps. And this is where I realised that the artwork within the book was all done by John Blanche, and yes. yeah. which was fantastic uh, to see a lot of his early stuff like that. But you were... <laughs> this one drove me up the wall. There were traps where there was an image associated with the trap, and you had to actually look to try and solve the puzzle. Um, I'm I'm going to get I'm going to get salty about this one. Stayed the night at a tavern, you know. Did the the whining and dining. It's like you know if you want to sit next to the rowdy, you know warriors, turn to this page. If you want to sit next to the you know the maidens, go over here. If you want to sit next to the quiet man in the corner, sit here. Sat next to the quiet man in the corner, and it was a real comedy moment. It's like. He starts, you know, gibbering on about, you know, fucking whatever it was he's gibbering on about. And then the last line is like, you appear to have sat next to the village idiot and gained nothing from him. Like, fuck! Um, but, you know, paid your money, you know, your big gold coins to get your room. So this is a spoiler, guys. I'm raging about this one. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Go to sleep. Wake up in the morning and you're chained up. And there's this big trap, elaborate trap arrayed over you, like a big guillotine. And the innkeeper's there laughing and chuckling. And he says that if you can undo the trap, you can escape. If not, I'm going to kill you and serve you up as pies tonight. It's like, ugh, right. And then on the, next, on, the, on the other side of the page is a picture of the trap. And right. it's like one of those sort of string traps where if you pull this cord, it will release the lock and the guillotine will drop and you're 
you know, something will happen. Or if you pull this other one, then you'll, you'll get out. So it's a 50-50. It's a 50-50. But I sat there and I'm trying to follow the picture along and work it out, just doing what the book wants you to do. Da, 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 I'm going to go here. It's like, okay, turn to page 52. Dead. Ugh. Insta dead. That's it. But as you said, I was doing the right thing. Rolled all the way back to the start. Um, I kept the same character, so I sort of went back to the default character that arrived. I'm not crazy, yes. yeah. and I'm not also I'm also going to sort of cheat and roll up a new character, hoping to get better stats. And so, play through the adventure again, and lo and behold, I got back to the the tavern. Um, I won't tell you what happened downstairs. Obviously, I dodged the idiot. Um, got back to the trap, and I forgot I forgot what page I turned to, so I tried to work it out again. Turned it dead. Yeah. Oh, you've got to be joking, umpire. Um, so rewind it back to the start. Uh, and then I, this this time round, I just decided to skip the tavern completely. It's like, nah, fuck you, cunt. I'm <laughs> over you. Um, but it was those moments of insta-death that actually didn't stop. City Port of Traps is lethal. Uh, there's another encounter where there's different shrines and stuff, and you have to sort of... Uh, touch different places in a particular order. Uh, the first time, I, I didn't know what the consequences was. Turns out, guess what the consequence is? Dead. You die. Yep. yep. It was a meaty puzzle, um, which killed me seven times before I managed to figure it out. Nice. I had to, um, in the end, I had to take notes. Uh, to work out what it was I was doing wrong, um, dead, insta-dead. Insta uh, look, Car City Port of Traps is a great read, but it's a, I, I found it really difficult. Um, so much so, though, that even to... The main goal is, is to get through like the North Gate, and it's magically sealed. And to get through this magically sealed North Gate to continue your adventure, you need a spell. Uh, there is only one person in the city that knows the spell completely, and he is, you know, person X. But there are other elders in the city that know the spell, but they only know one line of the spell. So you have to go and search them out and learn each line. Uh, I have only got, so far, two out of four. So I have reached the north gate a couple of times, and it's like, right, if you've got the spell, it'll tell you a three-digit number, turn to that page. No. Okay, go back to the start, start again. Really? Okay, and that's that's the cycle I'm in at the moment. Uh, I am trying to to like I've died a few more times. Like I managed to dodge the traps, but <coughs> still having to engage in different combats uh, is really hard. Um, just because I haven't gathered some of the spell items, which I, I don't know where they are. They might have been in Shamatanti Hills um, or in places I've yet to discover in the in the city. Uh, but no, so I'm still I'm still working through that. So I haven't got to the the third and fourth book yet. I am enjoying it though. You know, I like I like that it's not easy. I was worried when I went through the first book. I was like, you know, done it. Yeah, next. Uh, I was a bit nervous. Um, but a little bit like you, I had to put it aside, and and then I remembered. I remembered that there was one other book in the series that I was really excited about, and that 
was Freeway Fighter. Oh yeah, we discussed that one. We discussed that one in the last one. That, I yeah. almost picked that one up as well, but have, haven't. Um, yeah, I, I would do that one. Yeah, it's it's when it got to Freeway. When I thought about Freeway Fighter, and that was the book I had to buy. I just decided just I couldn't find it. I still haven't found my own collection that I, uh, my parents sent me. I don't know what box is hiding in it. it they must be somewhere. But I, I decided, it's like, you know what? I want to make myself feel a little bit better about fighting fantasy because the you know city's annoying me. I managed to pick it up, including postage for eight pounds, which is that's totally fine. Bad, yeah. You know, it's one of those. Um, it's got the sort of green and black topper to it, so it's you know yeah. original old. I'm not sure it, um, I'm not sure it's been re-released. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I've ever seen it uh, in uh, an alternate cover. So. Hey, I, I, I wasn't put it online myself. Yeah, I wasn't uh, fast. Quite fancy getting a hold of that one. I wasn't fast, but it was so picked it up, and I got I got that same realization again with Freeway Fighter. So you know, for for the audience, Freeway Fighter, it's not it's a post apocalyptic sci fi future one, which I think at that point um, most of the other books had been fantasy based. Um, yeah. So this was a little sort of step Mad, away from... Mad Max sort of thing, yeah. Very much a Mad Max sort of thing. So you are a, you know, you're, you're I'm not going to say a road warrior type character, but you're, your guy is living this post-apocalyptic world uh, and you've got to go on a quest from your town to another town to pick up some stuff, deliver some stuff uh, and make life better for, for your your group. Um you get to roll up your, your actual player character person, and then you've got your, your uh, interceptor um, dodge vehicle. And again, it was during that creation process, it's like, I don't have to fluff around with uh, different variables that you would normally have, like, you know, putting your, your car together. It's like, oh, I want lots of armor, that'll make it slower. Or if I put fewer guns on it, then I'll, I can have these special weapons. It's like, nope, here's your car. Get in, drive, do yeah. it. Uh, but you still have to roll the different statistics and abilities for it, for the, for your character and for the car. I have to say, I lucked out, and my actual human character is an absolute monster. Uh, I got 11 for his skill. Uh, Stamina is a little bit different. You roll 2d6 and add 12 for this one. Um simply because there's guns and weapons that cause bigger damage. Yeah. Uh, I got 33 for that, so still just a tiny bit above average, um, but I got a luck of 12. So like, yeah. my character was like, yeah, he's on point. Sadly, that did balance out, though, with the car. Fucking car's a piece of shit. It's like almost like paper. Um, you know, it's got firepower. <laughs> right, seven. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's not right. good. So it's good a Fabia or something like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so but went with it. But what I thought was really cool, and remembering that this this book was was this nineteen eighty five. Seems to find for that one. Yeah, so this book was nineteen eighty five, and at the start it gives you a little bit of a sort of brief rundown of you know how society was. And when it shat the bed and, you know, it was a virus that caused the apocalypse. Um, but they've dated the apocalypse to happen on uh, the 21st of July, 2022. Which I thought it was like, wow, that was really recent. <laughs> Amazing. Um, 
you know, and and I'll, I'll read direct. I'll read directly from the book. You know, you know, the morning of twenty first July, twenty twenty two, had started just like any other. It was going to be a hot day, and the news on the hollow vision was good. A government spokesman proudly announced that solar energy now powered ninety percent of homes and seventy percent of industry. The three day working week was now the norm, and England was going to play the United States in the football final World Cup in Sydney. However. There were only hours to go before the beginnings of the collapse of civilization. It's like, wow, that's a really cheery thought. Yeah. But um, I don't know where my fucking Holovision set is. Steve Jackson, Ian given, Livingston. Yeah. Given recent uh, events of the past few years, uh, yeah, post-apocalyptic stuff's taken on a new slant. Uh, yeah. But it was just... When I was reading that and knowing that it was written in 1985, it's like, wow, the vision, the vision was there. It was really cool. Films, um, like, films like Blade Runner and stuff like that, you know, like um, yep. stuff that on on that that, that we're supposed to have already, like flying cars and shit. Um, I, 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 we don't have it. Yep. The visionaries but, of the future. Sad times. Um, but freeway fighter. Uh, it is exactly how I remember it. I remember I've done this book a few times when I was extremely young. I have forgotten everything. Um, but again, my uh, my general naivety and friendliness in, in these books comes a cropper. So I was I was actually killed off pretty early on. <laughs> this is just Amazing. stupid. Um, I can't even remember. I think it was some sort of roadside bomb that got me. Uh, classic, classic Al. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll go and investigate that. You, de- you definitely um, want to go down the route of stab first, ask questions later. <laughs> yeah, I should just really just kill everything I come across, you know, classic style. Um, but Freeway Fighter, you spend a lot of time in your car, yeah. going from place to place, and then getting out and having adventures. Uh, you've you've got that mixture of, I guess, player ver- PvP player versus player combat when you're fighting another human. Um, but there's also the road combat where it's your vehicle against another vehicle. And you've got a, f- a few tricks. You know, you've got uh, road spikes, oil cans that you can sort of squirt oil and make them, make them skid off. And you've got three rockets, which are almost like insta-kills. If you declare to fire a rocket, you scratch it off your, your, your vehicle inventory uh, and your opponent just dies. I mean, it's a rocket, so it's pretty cool. Um, but it's fuel, and I'm sure we spoke about this uh, in the previous episode when we talked about fighting fantasy. At some point, it will say, "Okay, you, you know, you see your your fuel gauge going low. You know, do you have a canister of fuel? Yes, turn to page whatever. And um, if you have not picked up a canister of fuel in the past sort of day, uh, please turn to that. And when you turn to that page, it's like your car sputters to a halt. Your adventure ends effectively. Yeah. Uh, I am really struggling. I can make it through two days, so I can do at least two refuels. But the the next refuel, um, I am, I cannot find where it is. So I've done, I I've done about four restarts. Uh, again, not cheating though. I've I've had a few sort of ups and downs uh, in terms of encounters. There's, there's been, you know, it's funny. There's been friendly people that I've encountered and taken their advice and then got on with it. Then when I encounter them again, it's like nah, put them down. Just to see what happens next. Um, yeah. 
you know, trying to take on that more hardcore hardcore version that I think I might have to be in Freeway Fighter. Um, but I am really happy to say that the enjoyment was there. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to, um, to actually finishing this book properly. I think I'm on the way. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's only so many roads that you can turn down uh, until I find this fuel. And uh, I love killing folk in Freeway Fighter. I'm sick of them. I'll definitely pick that one up at some point because it was one of my favourites back in the the day when I was originally doing them. Uh, but and Phil, even if it comes to it, once I'm finished with it, I'll I'll hand it over to you, mate, just so you don't have to faff around. Have we borrow? Nice. Have we borrow? But I, I didn't I, I didn't actually have a look at this uh, because uh, it didn't occur to me at the time. Uh, but I wonder if there's like uh, downloadable adventure sheets for all of these books uh, on the internet. I have never looked. Because part of the charm, I guess, was writing in the back of the book uh, with pencil and stuff like that. But uh, I, I always feel a little bit guilty about that in uh, terms of uh, uh, I don't like kind of defacing books. Uh, I know plenty of folk do have. Uh, As I intimated, I've got to rock it up on a bit of paper. Yeah, I, I, I I've just got a bit of A4 to, to do it. I did. I just did it on a bit of uh, um, in a notebook. Yeah, uh, but yeah, think... a, nice, a nice wee pre-populated sheet would be quite, uh, quite handy. Whatever or you do, don't, 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 don't lose the magic from the book. You know. No, 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 no. Uh, um, good experience though. Fun times. Yeah, I'm happy with happy that it's still there, and I'm, I think, and this might be a bit of an abstract thought that and very situational for me but I think so much of like the past year I have spent reading rule books for games and I have very little time reading sort of non-fiction and fantasy mm-hmm. and so engaging with these books has um, I guess made got my imagination restarted to remind me that it's not just about sort of you know statistics and number crunching for wargaming it is actually about you know Read for fun. Um, so I, I, I know we've had selfies from from our audience with their books. Uh, I think it's now time for us to ask them to tell us about their adventures, and I, and ask them. It's like, did you have you enjoyed the process? Would you do it again? Are you going to get more? Should we help? You know, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston in their retirement, uh, and John Blanche as well. I guess if they're short of coin, are, are they? Are they? Are you the guys on eBay selling the books for ridiculous amounts of money? I know. Some of the collections that I've seen go for ridiculous prices, you know. And I know uh, certainly the older books are probably few and far between uh, other than in random collections here and there. Um, Certainly the original kind of prints and stuff. But yeah, these guys must be, uh, some some of them are nuts. The price, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's been some. I've seen some really nice job lots of say like twenty books, and you see this sort of bid and price hovering around like forty five, fifty pounds. And you're like, that's actually quite reasonable. You know, you still twenty books. That's you know, it's like three or four pounds per book. I'll I'll, I'll sort of keep an eye on that, chip in, uh, and then you log in twenty four hours later, and it's like up to one hundred and seventy pounds. You're like, yeah. I'm just going to unfollow that. I cannot watch that happen. Yeah. Um, 
uh, so, had, a few, had a few of those myself when I thought I might pick up the uh, random collection, but it's just yeah. uh, it's too it's, they escalate very quickly. And I, I also can't see any rhyme or reason as to what books sell more than others, or what what publications you know versions sell more than others. So that, um, you know, I, I saw a copy of Freeway Fighter very similar to the one I bought sell for twenty five pounds. Yes, uh, I didn't. I didn't get that. Whereas I picked mine up for eight, um, and I think that, that was, was that wasn't a bid. That was just a... from, yeah. That was what stopped no. me from buying it. Was uh, I'd watched one go for twenty five, and I was like, I'm not spending twenty five on it. Uh, no, right now, uh, no. So, so I think yeah. I I followed a couple of different copies um, that had sort of buy it now options, and then the seller sent an offer through. Um, yeah, for eight quid, and then I I, I was. It's like you know what, yep, I'm I'm going to go with it. So, but um, so the title of the episode was "Are you still the hero?" And I'm going to answer that as like, yes, I still feel like the hero, even though I have not achieved much heroic stuff yet. I I feel like I've been uh, adequately heroic uh, in my quest of being stuck in a fucking maze for three or four places. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, um, it's it's yeah it's been like I've I've definitely had some heroic moments. Uh, those uh, so yeah I feel like it's it's definitely sold in the right in the right way, and uh, I've enjoyed playing through the nostalgia. And uh, to be honest, I think they still hold up uh, regardless of how old they are. I think the mechanic that they use is is glorious in its simplicity, and. Uh, it must have taken some effort to write. Yeah, that was one of the things I was considering when I was trying to explain it to somebody who never heard of them recently. It's like you, to write all these continuous bits and then mm-hmm. dot them around in a book out of order. Yes, you're probably writing that down in sections, but then you've got to kind of make sure that whatever you reference back to is, so you, the, whatever mind map these guys are using or Excel spreadsheet yeah. uh, or whatever they were using at the time to do it must have taken a fair amount of effort uh, to, yeah. uh, to kind of keep, keep right. It'd be, uh, I would, I would love to be able to speak to them to find out what motivated them. I'm sure there are articles out there that they've written that they could answer all of these, but um, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll get the chance to, but, to chat to them. And not talk about well, games talk workshop about anybody, or anything. knows them uh, and thinks that they might be able to convince them to do an interview. I'd love. Yeah, that'd be an interesting podcast episode for sure. Yeah, because what what we could promise is don't want to talk about games workshop. Don't want to talk about stuff that followed after it. We would just want to talk about just these fighting fantasy, fantasy novels. Um, yeah, because everything else after that it's like gets too convoluted. Plus, these are good fun. Yeah. Okay. Audience, enjoy your fighting fantasy experience. We will pick this up again in future months. Um, but now we're going to talk about the war gaming that myself and Phil have uh, gotten involved in. Uh, I'm sure we're going to cover tournaments, different games like Blood Bowl and Bolt Action, uh, and whether or not we're still in love with those games, which I think we are. Yeah. I... Blood Bowl is definitely so, what... a game that you love to hate and hate to love. Yeah. yeah. So what have um? So what what travels have you been on then? What the uh, 
wargaming events, so, tournaments, etc. Have you had to attend? I'll just I'll just cover tournaments. Uh, I won't bother down the uh, league games and stuff like that. But because uh, otherwise we'd be here talking for ages. But um, first, yeah, it has been two it has been two months. So busy. Yeah, obviously went to UKTC. We've done an episode. Um, uh, next tournament after that for me was NAF Championships, um, and I took Norse to that. Um, which uh, I I hadn't played Norse in a tournament since UKTC twenty twenty two, the year before. Um, and I enjoyed playing them, but they'd had their re-release. Um, in terms of the new book had come out, uh, the the positions had changed between then and there. And I played them in the league and enjoyed playing them in the league. So I thought, Fuck, I'll take them to the NAF Championships. It's a reasonable rule set. Um, <clears throat> I didn't go crackers with my team. Um, they removed the secondary skill access uh, from the tier that uh, that Norse were in uh, this time round versus last year. So no block yeti uh, availability. So it was be a case of well, what do I put on on things uh, for that? Everything else was a fairly safe choice. I put uh, mighty blow on the yeti. Uh, to go along with its claw to give it some sort of removal potential. I know they don't stack, but they're still relevant in terms of what they do um, and making removals easier. Uh, and I went down a fairly removal-heavy roster. Did that work in its intended intended way? Did it fuck? It, uh, it was not. <laughs> that element was not particularly successful over uh, the, the weekend. I think the Yeti... Like was great at UKTC the year before. It was shit at uh, NAF Championships. Uh, I think there was only one game out of the six where I felt like the Yeti had done it anything that was worth writing home about. The rest of the time, like game one, um, at the end of my turn, because uh, I did the responsible thing and left the Yeti till the last thing, uh, the last part point of my first turn, um, rolled a a two dicer into. Uh, uh, double both downs uh, and uh, cashed my own Yeti uh, turn one. Uh, so I spent the remainder of the, uh, the the remainder of the game without a piece that uh, that was going to make it easier. Uh, thankfully, I still won that game. Uh, it was against Orcs as well, so it was uh, well tough. It was a tough one. Lots game. of strength. Um, yeah, and I think the guy I was playing uh, probably I felt a little bit aggrieved because I did a lot of. Uh, um, a lot of the, I wouldn't say bullshit plays that I, I I'd kind of done. They were well executed, uh, but they came off. Uh, like, yep. and I managed to end up uh, running away and scoring, um, and uh, making it uh, like a dead a dead certain win. Um, other games like uh, played against Chaos Dwarves at next up after that. Uh, that was another win. That that was a tight game. Um, uh, the guy I played there, John, uh, whose NAF name's Beach. Um, he he was a he was a lovely guy, and it was a quality game, but it was tight, um, and it was a decided on slim margins. So after winning two games, uh, the first two games, uh, day one, I was right up in the top end of the tables, and I ended up playing uh, Kfogd, uh Core. Uh, so it's you know you're starting you you've had a good run when you ended up playing like former NAF yeah. champions uh, and uh, previous number one in the world sort of players, and as a learning experience, 
it was good. Did I feel like I gave a good account of myself? Yes. Uh, do I feel like I could have got something out of the game? Yes. I think I, I would have possibly been able to get a draw out of it, but I lost. Um, it was just one of those... Um, he was running Skaven, and uh, I think he had the rub of the green a little bit more than I did. Um, but it was a it was a great game, and he a lovely opponent as well, so perfect. So day going into day two, I was two o one. Um, my first game day two was against uh, Cauliflower, who is one of the um, hosts of the Hey Listen podcast. Um, they do they're more about online gaming, but they do tabletop as well. And also only the second woman I've ever played at uh, Tabletop Blood Bowl. Uh, and it was a Norse off and it ended up in a draw. <laughs> it was just one of these ones where you just kind of, like both of us had the opportunity to win um, the game. Um, I would say my opportunity to win probably on paper more statistically likely to happen because it, all it required for me a three-up pickup. Uh, I think with a reroll at that point to uh, to win, where she had a a little bit more uh, of a convoluted way, and in order for her to get put me in position, pick up, she had to roll some quite a bit of dice that needed to go in her favour with no rerolls at that point. So um, it was it was a it was a a close a close draw that could have swung into a win for me, but it was a good yeah. game. She was a lovely opponent as well. Um, and then after that, um, I played a dwarf team, uh, and dwarves are not a fun opponent for Norse, given the uh, the wild difference in uh, armor value. Um, so it's usually a case of whose team disintegrates, and in those circumstances, with the block being pretty much everywhere and no no dodge. Uh, you're likely to be decided by whose team dies, uh, and it's more likely that the Norse team's going to die. So I was quite happy when the first block of my... Uh, he was running an 11-man with a death roller and a bribe. Um, so I was quite happy when the first uh, role was a casualty on a lineman, and his yeah. apple failed as well. Uh, so... Uh, that was great. You know, he's down to ten players. Um, all I need to uh, for him to do is for his bribe to fail uh, or something like that, and uh, he's down to nine. And uh, it ended up uh, me grinding my way down the pitch. This was on my drive. Uh, grinding my way down the pitch, scored, and his bribe failed. So I was like, right, that's brilliant. He's not got because uh, although you can argue the call if he'd got sent off at that point, he longer argue the call so I think he he kind of he banked on the bribe working so went with the bribe first and with the bribe failing he couldn't argue the call because it's argue the call first then bribe so he um, uh, didn't have the death roller for his drive and he was and he was down to nine players and I still had pretty much most of my team at that point um, and I just worked my way I didn't have the Yeti Die first half. Uh, he a, spe a speculative one dice hit. Uh, one dice with a, with a troll slayer took it out. It's like uh, amazing. Like just uh, uh, 
what one off one off fucking it uh, and getting uh but yeah it was a it was a good game uh i ended up winning that one uh which was good uh so going into the last game um uh 3-1-1 at that point um so i'm already happy that i'm going home uh a positive uh result regardless of what the outcome of the the final game is a bit of the pressure off, just try and enjoy the last game. And I came up against uh, Misspelled Tree, who's another one of the hosts of the Hey Listen podcast. And she she was great as well. Um, another uh, good game. Do I feel like I was uh, smashed to fuck out, uh, and nothing worked in that final game, though? Yes. Ever- I've never seen somebody roll so many dodges and not fail. <laughs> like the entire game with an undead team, um, and I popped the ball. So I, I score. I had to score early because a couple of things fail earlier than I wanted to, and a couple because a couple of things failed, uh, and then she managed to score in the remaining time uh, in my drive. Um, but I, my team had started to fall to bits by uh, then, and and then second half was just an absolute nightmare. I did manage to pop the ball twice uh, including catching the ball on the player that I popped the ball with in this in the la- in my last turn uh, only for uh, her to uh, I think she one dice powered me ball picked up and dodged out and scored uh, yep. with no rerolls at that point. Uh, to win two uh, two one, so it was a, it was a tough game to uh, finish on in terms of uh, like out of all of the games, it felt like that was the one I was uh, robbed of a draw uh, at least. But um, but she was a a very competent player. Same with uh, with Cauliflower who I played earlier on. Uh, both knew what they were doing and. It was great to see more women um, at that championships uh, this year. I, I think there was easily sort of somewhere between five and ten uh, mm-hmm. women playing, uh, including um, some uh, kids as well, which is really positive. You know, back back in the pre- in previous years, you'd be one or two over the uh, the course of the the weekend. So for it to start growing like that's a really positive thing, and obviously having players like that playing and uh, and finishing the top half of the uh, the event uh, was good as well. So I I was quite happy with the overall weekend. Uh, had a good time again. Not sure whether I'll go next year. Um, I've bought a ticket to go to Water Bowl next year uh, in February, and I'm not sure I can justify. Three uh, longer distance two uh, two day weekend uh, yeah. so um, NAF champs might fall the way uh, by the wayside um, in favour of going to Water Bowl and UKT also uh, already booked up for uh, so that was NAF championships next up on on the tournament front three was uh, the Bobby Burns Blood Bowl Bash held in Irvine uh, which is um, a part of the central belt of, of, no, of, of Scotland. 
it's, it's, it's southwest of Glasgow, really far south, really far west. It's I would, it's it's, it's definitely not, I would it's do, not the, the furthest west, and it's not the furthest 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 south. It's still it's all belt. You're all the same down I there. I would I would designate uh, as the borders, mate. Bandit country down there. No, it's no, no. It's I don't think it's borders. Um, but right, anyway, anyway uh, Irvin uh, was somewhere I hadn't been since I was a, a child. So uh, I, uh, it was good, good to kind of uh, fall, uh, go down that far. And it's now a place I would definitely go back to for Blood Bowl. The guys that ran it, um, a guy called Chris and his uh, his team uh, put on a, a good event. It was fun. Um, it was. On paper, it was a, a rule set that I don't like, which is one where you limit the amount of skills duplications that you can have to two mm-hmm. of, of a particular skill. Uh, but it's not that I don't like it uh, so much that I would never go to a tournament like that. It's actually quite nice to have a bit of variance in tournament uh, um, rules packs. So I enjoyed I enjoyed playing something a little bit different, I guess, play. Um, it did mean that there was a lot of tier one filth lists because there were certain teams that were going to do miles better because they were the skill pack uh, rule better for them. Uh, there were quite a few undead teams, um, quite a few orc teams uh, in comparison to uh, a widespread um, of, of variants. I took halflings. Um, it was the only stunty team that I haven't played at a NAF tournament. Um, and um, part of my quest of 2023 was, after having won Granite Bowl with Goblins last year, was to win a stunty cup with uh, one of the other um, stunty teams. So I thought, ah, I'll just take Griff Halflings. And uh, I was one of four stunty teams there. I played... My first game was against uh, one of the guys from Aberdeen. You know, you drive to a tournament uh, uh, yeah. from the same fucking league as you. Not only the same league, but the same fucking car down out of the car. I played uh, Keith, uh, who is one of our newer league members. I think he's going to be moving away, though, unfortunately, towards the end of the year. But uh, awesome guy. Played his undead team. Um, and we drew, and the difference between us drawing and me winning was me failing a teammate, and I failed it through a teammate by landing on his ghoul, uh, rather than uh, uh, rather than going one. If I'd gone, I had two rerolls, so the chances of getting through a teammate were really high, uh, and I made a, a decent attempt. I'd, I'd gone forward enough squares so I wouldn't even have had to have done a, um, any go for it. Uh, yeah. But of the squares I could have landed in, uh, it was a bloody occupied one and uh, I didn't get the... I didn't die. Uh, no, I did die and his player didn't. So it was a, a bigger failure. But that, that ended up... So quite happy with the draw against Undead. Um Game two was frustrating. Uh, I played against a newer player who was running Lizardmen, and 
like I'm I'm all for helping new players who don't understand the rules, and I'm quite happy to check uh, rules in the rule book and go through things with people and take the time for that. What I don't appreciate much is somebody arguing with me that they're right because that's the way they play something. And you know that they're a new player and they're wrong. And you just say, well, why don't we check the rules and, and, and make sure that your interpretation's right? Just trying to say, well, look, like, look, I'm quite open to being wrong here, uh, if that is the case, knowing quite fine that I'm not wrong. Uh, and this went on all the way through the game. Every single thing uh, that was bene- either potentially beneficial to him or a negative to me was argued uh, in some sort of way. And I think I got to a point at one point where I just said, so he, he was whining about something, uh, and I just said to him, honestly, mate, I don't care. Make it the worst, the worst thing for me. I'm sick of arg- of arguing about, uh, that that's happening here. I'm not that fussed. Just just let let it go. And I think that kind of brought him back round to not being as much of of, of a pest about everything. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I failed a two plus go for it. A two plus dodge uh, with Griff to make it three two to me, and then he swanned up the pitch and. Passed, uh, caught the ball and walked it in for a three-two without any rerolls. Yeah. Uh, so it was just one of one of these games. Like, I'm sure the guy's a nice enough guy, but it was it was more his approach to being uh, to to not being sure of the rules was him instantly being right, and the player sitting across from him who's been playing for. A longer, a much longer time. There, there was no conceivable effort that that person potentially right. Uh, now I, I am quite happy. I, I do get the odd thing wrong, um, and I did in this game. I did get one thing wrong, uh, but one thing out of fucking th- felt like thirty odd uh, individual things that were brought up through the game uh, took the shine off the game uh, for me a little bit. Uh, which was a bit of a shame. Uh, game three um, was uh, against uh, Phil Truscott, Phil seventy eight. Oh, wow! Uh, long, long running uh, um, Blood Bowl player. Lots of games under his belt online. What was uh, What was he doing down that end of the table? Uh, he did it. He did, like me, he did a he did a, a middling kind of uh, tournament at that point. So we were yep. both on. I think I think we were both on zero uh, one one at that point. Yeah. Um, I knew that the half uh, the Stunty Cup was still open at that point. Uh, the Snotland player was on one o one. The Ogre player was on zero one one, and the <coughs> Goblin player was on zero one one. So we had. Uh, it was still open, so I knew I had to get something out of this game. And Phil was using uh, Chaos Pact um, or Chaos Renegades, whatever they're called these days. Um, and he had a pretty non non good team for me. Uh, there was a lot of uh, guard um, and uh, block uh, Minotaur and uh, 
the usual kind of smattering of things that that really don't help uh, a, a stunty team. And out of all the sort of teams I would come up against, I, I, I wouldn't want to come up against something like that. That I'd rather come up against uh, an undead team or a human team or something. Wider spread of skills uh, and less big guys. Um, yeah. The game started okay for me, actually. Uh, he, he kicked... Uh, I kicked to him um, and he got... Um, uh, he got a t- yeah. He got a a bad result with the Minotaur on a block. It went down, and it didn't get back up because um, he failed the wild animal uh, or whatever it's called these days um, to get it back up to blitz a halfling, which allowed me to foul it twice uh, and eventually take it off and uh, and KO it. Um, and then Griff did his absolute money's worth in this uh, game after. So Phil scored. Um, my drive, I scored and uh, took it to 1 1. So I was kicking. The, and that was the only way I was going to game was to score early to allow me to either try and turn Phil over or um, uh, stop him from scoring. Um, I th- started kind of. Make it, he hadn't thinned out my team at all, really. There was a few players had gone off. Uh, but I all, I managed to get a two-dice on the ball carrier with Griff, um, knock the ball out, and pick it up. Um, and then... No, I didn't pick it up. I parked Griff on it. Um, he had to one-dice... He had no rerolls at this point. He had to one-dice um, Griff off the ball uh he only managed a push which still gave him an opportunity to pick up the ball he picked uh, he went to the for the pickup and failed the pickup on a one and it bounced into two tackle zones of his player so at this point i was guaranteed the draw but i thought right i've got griff i'm going to use griff for some shenanigans here yeah i was exactly 10 10 squares away from the end zone with griff so that's perfect uh, Griff numbers. I had a four plus pickup, a three plus dodge into a tackle zone, uh, two plus dodge, and then three two pluses. And I made every single one of them all the way through, which was awesome. Great. Super Griff. I won that game. I won that game two one. Like thanks. That's exactly. That's exactly what he's supposed to do. Exactly. So Griff, Griff was worth his weight in gold. Uh, there was a tense uh, couple of uh, sort of ten-minute period. I knew the goblin coach uh, was uh, either going to lose or or draw. I can't remember which way round her losses were. Um, and I knew that the ogre coach had lost. So I was waiting on the result of the game. He was playing mm-hmm. against uh, humans. And that ended up in a draw. Uh, so both myself and the Snotland coach finished on um, on one one one. But my points were higher, so I ended up getting the Stunty Cup, which was great. Congratulations! Achievement achieved. Yes. Goodness, mate. How about yourself? After my awesome blood bowling, how was your uh, bolt actioning? A uh, bolt actioning, I. Um... 
I went to a tournament in Forfar in Aberdeenshire uh, called Attrition. Um, it's a format of bolt action I've never done before, um, where you start with 1250 points, then your second game is 1000 points, then your third game is 750. So you are literally right, okay. attritioning down. And uh, really, I was really excited by the format. But I found writing lists are super frustrating. Um, but not in a bad way. I want to say frustrating. Challenging is probably the, the next, the best term. I don't want to, there's no negative aspect about this tournament. You had to keep your compulsory HQ and compulsory two troop units the same throughout all three lists. And obviously you have to use the same nation and the same theater selector to do it. So it's making sure you're finding units that work well at high points as well as low points. And then when you're in the 750 point game, uh, you don't get any vehicles um, other than other than sort of transport vehicles, you know, trucks and jeeps and stuff. So I, I this is this is how do I describe this? All the other events I've been to this year were either for to experiment and have fun with lists or to assist the TOs in having good opponent, a safe opponent to give new players enjoyable games. Mm-hmm. This tournament, I approached with the mentality of, I want to win the event. Um, so I spent a lot of time looking at the list uh, that I was going to take, and I went with a Soviet army, a theatre selector from the Stalingrad uh, Mm-hmm. Which gives me a few extra options, but um, what it meant was that my twelve fifty point list I had like two the two multiple rocket launchers that I mentioned that I painted. They never appeared again. They were only for the twelve fifty point list because he the TOs had put the missions alongside the points levels that you were going to be playing at. So it was looking at your list and looking at the missions like what do I need to win this mission? Okay, I'll take these Molly launchers, they'll be useful. I'll take this tank, I'll take these troops, this will all be useful. And then at 1,000 points, you had the mission. It's like, right, what do I need to win this mission at 1,000 points? Okay. Um, so there, obviously, the, as a, I, I was required to keep the core units the same, but a lot of stuff never reappeared. If it was in 1250, it never appeared again. Same if it was in 1,000 points, it never appeared again. And... And I think it was the most prep work I had done for an event in terms of lists ever. Um, the three games I played were against three previous tournament winners uh, in the past 12 months from Scotland. It was a guy called Paul Walker, um, Donald Stewart, and Johnny Ferg. Uh, Johnny Ferg had won the previous event in Aberdeen. And Paul Walker was second. He was on the podium. They were at the top table from the previous event. Um, so they were all top tier players for Scotland mm-hmm. uh, Paul Walker was first at 12.50 and I won that game uh, I was really happy with how I played I was appropriately aggressive um, and the multi-launchers they, they, did, they did what they needed to do there was this really cool moment where I um, he had a Soviet army as well he had the same theatre selector as me but a different interpretation of it and he was using a road to um, manoeuvre. There was like two transport trucks, a 
truck with some guns on it and some other infantry surrounding it. There was, it was a busy road, but it was going to give a max good board access. I managed to destroy one of the trucks in front, which then blocked the road. It became impassable. The way the scenery had laid out, there was hedges and fences and stuff, which were also impassable for vehicles with wheels. So everything got snarled up on this road, and then I dumped both multi-launchers into it, which, um, you know, for, for the multi-launchers in bolt action, you pick a target, and then everything within six inches of that also has the opportunity to get hit. So he had all these units clumped up at, at the right, the, well, the right place for me, the wrong time for him. Uh, and I, I caused a lot of casualties, um, a lot of casualties on him, uh, and, and won that game. What was great about that game was that every single unit that I had was doing something. There was nothing that felt lost or, or out of place or useless. I never looked at something and wondered what the what the fuck's your purpose. Everything was in synergy. It was I was really chuffed. Next game again, I played Donald Stewart, and he had a U.S. Marine Corps army, and this was at a thousand points. And uh, Again, I went for a drastically different list from the previous one. So in this list, I had two snipers um, because the idea was you had to claim board quarters and the snipers can forward deploy so I could get them into a board quarter um, that wasn't my deployment zone to, to instantly make sure I had points ready. So I took two. Yeah. And as it turned out, he had a, a medium howitzer that he, that he deployed and I deployed both snipers to be able to fire at it and completely shut out of the game. It never got a shot off. Uh, both these snipers, they were excellent. Um, and again, they never reappeared. They were only in this list. And it was another game where I only made one gaming error. Uh, when I was... Um, I thought an enemy unit had activated, and it in fact hadn't. And it had a flamethrower in it, and it walked up and hit me. But I, I, I managed to survive it. It was, I was, it was luck that survived it. It was... It was a mistake by me. Um, but everything else played well. I, I had a few aggressive moves where I, um, I charged. I had a, a unit of 12 inexperienced riflemen, and I charged into one of his bigger sort of regular units. But it, it was that win-risk-reward. If I killed them, I would have access to a whole bunch of other weaker units to kill, and that is exactly what happened. It was, it was really close on the dice rolls, but I managed to get it. And it was a pretty convincing win. Uh, but the maximum points, you know, for bonus objectives yeah. and stuff were achieved. Uh, and the same for the first game. I got all the bonus objectives and the maximum points that were, that were on, on hand. Uh, which led me to the top table in the third round against Johnny Ferg. And uh, I, as I said, I think everybody picked up before game one that I was in the mood to push to win. Uh, just because my lists were there, and I, I think I might have just been putting out this this attitude of, you know, I'm I'm still me, but I was like, no, nah, I'm I've got a purpose here. Um, so when I bumped into Johnny Ferg, he had had two hard games to get to the top table, and he was a bit tired, and he started making mistakes really early, almost from the get go, and uh, I was just as fresh game one as I was going into game three. Uh, I, won't, I won't go into any of the finer details. He got quite angst. Uh, there was a lot of angst from him um, that I had to sort of take a time out for him to to shed that off. Um, 
but it was because I was making no mistakes. He was making many and he got frustrated at himself, but he started to lash out a little bit uh, verbally. He apologised to him at the end. There is no animosity between us. We both understand what happened. Um, but it was those situations where he believed he had a line of sight from his one of his units to mine. Um, this is just one example of a couple. I went round to his side of the table, got down on my knees, had a look. I was like, no, you don't. And you need to get out your seat to look, to check it. Yeah. Um, and he did. And he was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. Mate. I, I actually don't have that. I was like, okay. Just, but it, it was a little moments like that. And I think that's where mentality, and we've spoken about this in previous podcasts about gaming at, at sort of higher ends, um, being mentally tough. You know, not being a dick. Don't be a dick. Be mentally tough. Be friendly, but be firm. Um, if if you know you're right, don't don't just throw your hands in the air. Which is what Johnny did actually. He threw his hands in the air and said to me, "You know, do whatever you want." I was like, "Well, I have to stop you there, mate. It's not. I'm not going to do whatever I want. I'm entitled to do this within the rules of play. So I'm going to do it. It's not. And I, I said this to more of the gaming table. You're not allowing me to do this." I can do this. You don't yeah. like it, which is straight up fine, but I can do this. Um, and, and, that, and that brought him in, but he, yeah, it was, it was a tough third game, but I enjoyed it greatly because I knew that I was, uh, I kept my focus on, because there's also that trap where, you know, when players decide it's like, ah, oh, yeah, all right, do whatever, they, they're sitting back and, it's almost like you think they could be lulling me into a trap here if I overextend my army thinking, oh great, they don't care, I'm just going to go super aggressive and just butcher them. I had that firmly at the front of my mind, so I was still 100% cautious with what I was doing, making sure there was always a backup plan if a unit was stretched out a little bit further. I didn't open up any doors that he could suddenly spring into. And there was this fantastic moment right at the end you will not appreciate me saying this, but it was great. Um, it was an objective-based, and it was objective-based mission, and there were five. And uh, looking around the table, uh, yeah, what did he have? Or maybe there was four. And at the end, he's like, "Harley, how was that a draw?" And I just looked him dead stare. I was like, "It's not a draw, mate. I've won." And they said, how, but I'm, then I had to show them the measurements, which I, you couldn't pre-measure, but I, you can tell by looking. It's like, I've yeah. contested that objective, so you don't have that. I've got two, you've got one, I've won. So you're the winner, yeah. Yeah, and I knew that from, you know, 20 minutes before. Um, whereas in his head, he thought it was a draw. So whether or not that influenced what he had done. Um, yeah. It, it, but... But even if you, if you do the math, like the the objective, you have to be within three inches of the edge of the objective to claim or contest it. He had uh, like an one infantry model sitting half an inch off of it. The bases are an inch, and enemy models have to be more than an inch away from you. So that leaves me a half inch gap to work with, going by the maths, yeah. which is exactly what I was in, um, because I knew that was how it was uh, so it was a win and it was a tournament win um, the other top table uh, 
he didn't get enough bonus objectives throughout his day. Uh, so he second place was a guy called Andy Mackay. I'm, I've mentioned it before, another excellent player um, for Scotland. He plays on our international team when he's available. Um, he had three wins, but his bonus points were nowhere near as, as good as, as my own because I scooped up all of them. I think I'm, I dropped one bonus point against Johnny in the last game. Um, so it was really cool to walk away with a big trophy, a big light-up trophy. It changes colour. Light-up one. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like an electronic black base, then one of those sort of plastic perspex inserts, and then you've got the remote control for changing it to um, you know all the colours of the rainbow. It's cool, man. So I was super chuffed with how I played, really happy with all my lists played perfectly. Um, every single unit did stuff. Um, super happy, very happy. Um, any other game that I've done has been online stuff, which has also been enjoyable, but whew, dice, fun times. Yeah, sounds like we both had some good uh, tournament gaming uh, last couple of months. Uh, yep. What have you got? Well, any look- coming up? How, uh, you got... Got I've got the big. I've got a big show coming up. Battle of Battle of Britain Grand Tournament in June, which is at the UK Games Expo in Birmingham. Um, it's looking like there could be thirty players there. Uh, two days, five games. It's a biggie. It's 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 it's. It'll be the sort of second biggest event for me on the calendar this year, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm looking forward to to giving you a report on it. Uh, it's been hosted by um, they're called the Juggernauts from Leicester. Uh, they operate their own podcast for Bolt Action um, called the Juggernaut Podcast. Uh, but their sort of vision has always been competitive wargaming. That that's that's what they do. So they are they are um, putting on a competitive event, and they're they're really experienced guys at running events. They know what they're doing, and I will be guesting on their podcast to do a review of the event um, in June and also to promote my own events that are coming up, which I'll, I'll do um, on this podcast, our, 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 our channel as well in the, in the near future. Sorry, I just found two dice in my pocket. I just had to sort of fish them out. Dice. Bonus dice. Bonus dice. Yeah. I've got um, Dundee Doubles, uh, which is a doubles blood bowl event in june that's 10th of june so that's only a couple of weeks away yeah um looking forward to that i'm uh partnered with uh gwi 1874 or whatever has he not changed his name yet is he not huntley loon now he hasn't lazy pricks not changed his name to hunt disappointing even after even after hipster potter agreed to change his name to hipster potter as well Mm. disappointed disappointing yep uh, but, but yeah, no. Gordon, so it should be fun. On on that note, Phil, we might hang up the headphones for the day and uh, let our listeners get on with doing some more fighting fantasy novels, and we'll hear from them all in the coming months. And then next month, who knows? Who knows what we'll talk about? Yeah, could be blood bowl, could be some other shit. We'll see. Time will tell. Awesome audience. Thank you so much for joining us again on Two Guys, One Dice Cup. Uh, truly, we hope you are enjoying the fighting fantasy novels. And um, if not, well, we don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah, we want to hear from, from, from all the fighting, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy? Fighting Fantasy fam. Uh, cool. Just get in touch. Drop us your shit. 
Yeah, cool. Right, take it easy, folks. Bye.